Hey, welcome to Big Jim's Garage here. I'm your host, Big Jim O'Brien. B-Pod Studio Network, originating out of the Motor City. But I don't know where you are now. I'd assume Lee's probably down south where it's warm. Lee Diffie, our guest this morning. We're talking IndyCar. We're going to talk boats, too. How are you, sir? I'm good, Jim. Great to be back on the show. Man, um, I, I want to mention, obviously, what you're doing Sunday. You're doing the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show. How did you get I'm that here. gig? I'm here right now. I mean, we got the ultimate crossover going on. Townsend Bell and I have come from the streets of St. Petersburg and the, and the IndyCar season finale down here. And our uh, another NBC uh, motorsports colleague, Will Christian, who does the pits for Supercross and, and Motocross, she's here. This is our third year doing this, Jim. It's a really great crossover between motorsport and boating, and there's more in common than you might think. So um, we, all, we all have some fun in, in some good weather before we, we go back to our respective homes. So when does this air on Sunday, then? It's on NBCSN at 4.30. Okay. Uh, it's an hour-long show, and it features some really cool boats and, and things within the industry. And, you know, the, the parallels with, with, with motorsport, you know, you're looking at speed and efficiency and design and, and all of the tricks and gadgets that, that make it reliable and fun and the performance element. And so, yeah, when I first came down here three years ago, I was like, well, I don't, you know, it's a boat, it's a lifestyle show or a boat show. But it, the more you delve into it and you speak with the manufacturers and, and the designers and the engineers, it's, uh, I thought there's more in common with motorsport than I really oh, thought. Oh, yeah, love his stuff. And because Townsend's there, based on his last IMSA race, every boat's going to try to hit him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the my God, race. he got tangled yeah. up at the end of that race. That was scary. At Petit Le Mans, when he went off into the darkness and we didn't yeah. see it, uh, Calvin Fish and AJ Armandinger and myself, we didn't see it straight away. He ended up uh, spearing off there going down the hill and he hit the first, he hit two tire bundles. He hit the first one at 100 miles an hour head on, unabated, wow. uh, and then and ricocheted off and then hit the second one and destroyed his Lexus, unfortunately. So, yeah, we, we finish up here at the boat show and um, and uh, we both head off to do uh, IMSA at Laguna Seca. Love it, love it. It's so much fun. And, and the IndyCar race last week was. Um, it was a big bag of crazy to watch on TV, i got to be honest, Lee, in a good way. There was so much going on, and you guys did a great job of, of keeping track of, obviously, Scott Dixon, who was just marking Newgarden to make sure that you know he stayed within points. And that's not unheard of. I remember, was it back in NASCAR? I think it was Daryl Waltrip, the last title that Petty got. He did the same thing at Ontario, where he marked. All he did was just stay. He knew where he had to be to beat Daryl Waltrip, and he did it. And Scott Dixon did the same thing on Sunday. Yeah, I, what, what really blew us away was just how close on numerous occasions Dixon was to being uh, caught up in somebody else's accident, you know. Um, but he was going, he told me in a, in a pre-race interview, he was just going on the attack. He wasn't going to race for points. I agree with what you're saying. I'm not sure if that's how he did that. I think he was going, I think he was trying to win the race, to be honest. Right. And that's Newgarden, Newgarden knew that he had to finish first or second to stand any chance of winning. So Newgarden did it. Newgarden couldn't do any more. The only thing he didn't do was win the pole position. I mean, he could right. not have done any more. So it was a fabulous race. I don't know if you thought what we did, you know, what was it about? 30 laps into the 100 lap race we were like oh no this might be a bit of a snoozer and then all of a sudden sudden it exploded into life and it was interesting to see guys like rossi and all of them getting off into the marbles getting off offline and they never and willpower they never get offline that doesn't happen was that a function of fatigue or just maybe not as much road course time are these guys pushing so hard because you and i've had this discussion before there is no sport in, in racing that i can think of front to back 
there are no back markers anymore in IndyCar. You got to go every week, or you're going to get your ass run over. Oh yeah, I I I probably agree with the the last point you made, and that is, is that they were just pushing that hard. I mean, you know, you saw the ultimate frustration with power. Uh, you saw Rossi was just overwhelmed with emotion and, and surprised to himself, saying, "I have never done that. I have never crashed out while leading the race." And look, Rossi Rossi dominated that. It was a hundred yeah. lap race. He led sixty one laps, and then you come away with nothing. Think about Andretti Autosport. They were running one, two, three at one point in time to come away with, you know, uh, a frustrating day and crash damage. And then uh, Marco Andretti trying to fulfill that 22nd and final spot in the um, in the leaders circle, uh, which is IndyCar uh, awarding the top 22. That was a million uh, bucks he lost when, when him and Sato tangled, right? Yeah. 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 And, he, and he, the way that Marco raced in that second portion of the race where he overtook more than half the field. I mean, it was incredible. And yeah. then... To see that awkward incident, yeah, I mean, boy, we could talk for a week about that finale. It 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 it, uh, it certainly delivered way more than we expected, and it, more beyond just the championship battle, you know. Yeah, and it sets up next year beautifully. I mean, obviously the the rivalry between Penske and Ganassi, but then then you know we have uh, some guy named Jimmy Johnson who's going to race. I I don't never heard of him. He's a NASCAR guy, I guess. Uh, yeah, whatever. And then and then and then th- not only Jimmy throw throw in uh, Scott McLaughlin, the Aussie Ooh. Supercar champion. I mean, I think. I can't wait. Let, let's let's begin the season tomorrow. And then, do you honestly think, though, I, I think once Jimmy gets a taste of IndyCar racing, I know he doesn't want to do ovals, but when it comes to Indy, I know he said he's not going to do it. I, I don't believe him. Not that I, I'm not calling him a liar. I'm just saying, once you get a taste of this, in this competitive racing, this hyper-competitive racing in the IndyCar series, you're going to want that prize. You're going to want that ring. You're going to want to win Indy. Once you're like, I got a car that can do this, He's going to go. He, he's going to convince his wife. He's like, I have to give this a shot. He, he'll he regret this yeah, for the rest think, of his life if he doesn't do it. I think we've seen, I think we've seen uh, windows of opportunity in his, in his answers where he's like, let me, let me get a few races under my belt and we will see. I definitely think the aero screen has helped his cause in yeah. terms of his negotiations with Shani, his wife. So, um, you know what I hope, uh, you know what I wish for for Jimmy even m- more than the Indy 500? Um, I hope he gets to realize a, um, a childhood dream. And I'm saying this with a cautious eye and, and view on the pandemic and, and California's restrictions. I hope that the Long Beach Grand Prix goes ahead so Jimmy can race at the Long Beach Grand Prix. There you go. Because that's what he, he, he begins almost every answer with. Where did this desire come from? Well, I, as a Southern California kid, I remember standing there as a spectator watching the uh, the Long Beach Grand Prix. And I just think that would, for everything he's achieved in his remarkable career, um, you know, we all, we all, we all as adults think back to cool things we did when we were kids. And I think that would be full circle for Jimmy, you know, because that was, we didn't, <clears throat> what, Townsend, I think Townsend uh, and I did an interview with him and we didn't, we didn't know or didn't realize that his act, it actually was his first love. He didn't set out to be a NASCAR driver. He set really? out to be an IndyCar driver. And it just turned out that Chevrolet provided him with an opportunity uh, to move to the East Coast and to Charlotte, North Carolina, and that's where it all began. In his mind, he was going IndyCar racing because of his association with the Mears family and, and the Long Beach Grand Prix and everything like that. That's what he viewed himself as. He was going to go from, from trophy trucks in, into IndyCar and, and, and go that way. And... Uh, it was a manufacturer opportunity that, that took him took him to stock car racing. So, so he and Jeff Gordon have a similar. That's I never knew that. Lee, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon was very similar because 
um, our, our friend Jeremy Shaw, who runs the Team Scholarship USA program, which so many of the, the championship drivers now are graduates of, including Joseph Newgarden and so many others, Connor Daly, um, you know, the list, the list goes on. Um, Jeff Gordon was the inaugural winner of Jeremy Shaw's Scholarship USA, and he was set to go to England and race Formula Fords and the Formula Ford Festival, etc., and got an opportunity to race a sprint car, race the sprint car, and then that took him down the stock car uh, road. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's more open wheel in people than, than, than we know or they admit. <laughs> okay, now I know time's short here. I got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up with you, uh, my buddy Lee Diffie. Uh, you and I could talk for hours, and we always love you know discussing this. A couple quick questions for you. Will an F1 driver come over and try to run IndyCar next year? Perez. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kevin Magnuson over here. Okay, with a Haas connection, obviously that, that makes sense to me. And the other thing is, give me a name to watch. I know the big names when I'm watching Herda and I'm seeing, you know, obviously all the Penske guys out there and the Ganassi drivers. Yeah. And give me a name yeah. for next year that, that, that I need to watch out for in IndyCar. I'll give you two. Scott McLaughlin and Pato O'Ward. Pato O'Ward had four podiums this year. He came so close to two victories this past weekend in St. Pete where he was chasing Joseph Newgarden down. He got massive, massive praise from Scott Dixon and Newgarden at the same time. They, and, you know, he's only 21. Right. They're like, this kid drives us clean, drives us fair. He's brutally fast. At Road America, Rosenquist denied him of his maiden victory. So Pato Award and Scott McLaughlin are the two to watch next year, in my opinion. Is Pato Award the guy, he, he had a, he, wasn't he part of the Red Bull chain for a while like their their feeder thing and then he he came back very briefly yeah they 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 took him they said that there were opportunities maybe to do free practice one sessions in f1 maybe maybe in a uh an alpha towery or back then it was uh, scuderia toro rosso and uh so they brought him to europe he did a couple of f2 races then they sent him to japan to do super formula and uh, for whatever reason it you know i mean the kid was just bounced around everywhere i mean he, he didn't get a chance to get a grip anywhere yeah. uh, pardon the pun and, and so he um he they they ended up dropping him from that program but it, but i think zach brown from our mclaren sp really saw really noticed what he could do and his capabilities and that's why they signed him and they have now re-signed him for 2021 and i think he's going to be a superstar right. well there we go league diffie again 4 30 sunday on nbcsn the fort lauderdale international boat show uh, thoughts and prayers for you having that tough job, Lee. I mean, I know it's going to be tough on you guys and hey, with you and Will and Kristen and yeah, and Townsend Bell as well. Give our best to everybody. You guys do a great job, man. Have fun down there. Thanks, mate. And make sure you check out the show on Sunday because it kind of, uh, I, I know I've been speaking to my wife in Connecticut and I think it's going to hit freezing there this weekend or later this week. So, uh, And I, I'm pretty sure Michigan's getting cool too, Jim. So, mate, watch the show on Sunday. It'll make you feel warmer. Okay, you done. It's 2020, Lee. I'll take what I can get. Lee Diffie, ladies and gentlemen. You be well. Stay safe, okay? Thanks, mate. All right, there he goes, Lee Diffie. And um, what a cool thing. IndyCar right now, if you think about the disciplines of racing, Formula One, I love Formula One racing. Lewis Hamilton, the last race, there were only five cars on the lead lap. All right. I mean, is it competitive? I guess between the first couple teams. But when the announcers during a Formula One race are actually saying, boy, if we get rain, if we get a full a full course caution, it'll be a race. If you're begging for something to happen other than the race to make it a race, you got a problem. You got a problem. And I'm not blaming Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton is one of the greatest race car drivers ever. And Mercedes are on point. But they just kick the living crap out of everybody. It's, it's You're fighting for third.
you're fighting for scraps, man. I, I don't know. I love F1, but I'm not down with that. Uh, I think NASCAR's done a great job this year, the young drivers and the older ones being more competitive. Um, but there's some NASCAR races where you feel like the same people. IndyCar, you do not know. You heard Lee. I mean, there are there are honestly legitimately on, on a road course race, like we're, we're taping this here in Detroit, you could have 10 or 15 cars that could legitimately win the race every week. It's so hyper-competitive. It's really cool to watch if you haven't done that. So uh, um, we'll check that out there. Hey, a couple quick notes. I, I have this whole video series and stuff that I've been talking about. I, I, everyone does automotive reviews, and that's cool. We should talk about cars. We should we should talk about new cars from the perspective of someone else telling you, like, hey, I have this or I, I have this. I approach it from uh, my idea is that big guys buy cars because we do. I'm 6'5". I'm, I'm just a couple cheesecakes over 300. <laughs> I'm working on it, though. I'm 6'5", and I have a 29-inch inseam. The reason I mention that is I'm all upper body. So when I'm reviewing cars, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Now, I'm still going to tell you about cars in, in a way that, you know, for you, an average person driving the car, but if you're a big guy and you go out to look at a car and you can't fit in it because your head's stuck up in the, in the, in the moonroof, what's the point? Two quick reviews. The Toyota RAV4, they completely redone it. And it is... It's hard to explain. I love RAV4s. They were that quirky little milk box on its side on wheels. You could throw a bike in the back. You could throw all this stuff. Now, the styling cues back then, yeah, it was dated. But it was always just kind of funny to drive one of those. And the RAV4 is like the awkward kid in high school who's grown up. It's so clean. It's so refined. Headroom for a big guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, plenty. Comfortable. All the bells and whistles. Every feature you'd want, but it didn't feel like a RAV4. You know the joke, my joke's always been when it comes to SUVs, they're like belly buttons, everybody's got one. That's how it feels. And the RAV4 is great, and the Toyota Sense and everything in there is great, but I don't know. I don't want to sound like an old guy, but it, it, it feels like they changed it. And they did, but it's no longer really a RAV4. If I took the RAV4 thing off there, you'd never guess it was a RAV4. Does that make sense? You know, like there's visual cues in cars. Like a Camaro front end looks like a Camaro. Mustang's a Mustang. You, you look at, at, you know, a Ford F-150, you can tell from the front end. There's still visual cues. Jeeps, Jeeps. You get the idea. It doesn't look like a RAV4 to me. Great ride. But if you are nostalgic at all, if you think you're going to get a RAV4, it just doesn't have that same bulletproof milk carton on wheels that the, that the RAV4 had. But I really did enjoy driving it. It's a great car. It's just, like I said, I'm over-explaining this. And then the Mazda CX-30. This whole um, subcompact car, uh, class, the CUVs, it's interesting to me because the CX-30, I got to be honest, when I first got in, I went, meh, it's all right. White, beautiful white paint job to get inside. They're not as flashy inside the Mazda cars. But then you start driving it and you start going, damn, damn. Now, I had two cars that I was reviewing and the CX-30 was definitely the cheaper of the two and I drove the CX-30 more. Uh, so comfortable, adaptive cruise control, the heads-up display, the Bose sound system. And then you start to notice they put little features in there. There's a little wood grain trim. Everything has a little more up. Now, are there fancier CUVs out there? Absolutely. Are there ones that are more stylish? Absolutely. Are there ones that are better drivers? I haven't driven one if there is. I would buy a CX-30. And as a big guy, plenty of room. And it didn't have the moonroof lie. The moonroof lie is when you're when you're as tall as I am, you wind up sometimes, you hop in, you go, this isn't bad. And then you realize your head's sticking up through the moonroof. That's no good. Um, Mazda, uh, 
It's a great car. I, I love Mazda cars for the way they drive. Their powertrain, the, the way they set up, even on, and I drive on a dirt road every day to get to the freeway. And it was potted from rain. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. Didn't blink. The CS30 is just like, ah. It is the car that I would, if my kid was going to college, I'd tell him to get one. It's just solid, man. It's hard to explain. Um, I always use the analogy. Do you guys remember Goodwill Hunting when he uh, when, when they bought him a car for his birthday? And the, the mechanic guys out there, no, she's a good car. She's a good car. She's solid. That's a CX-30. It's not the flashiest car in Mazda's fleet. It's not a race car looking CUV. It, it doesn't pretend to be. It's comfortable. You can put four people in there. If you're taking a road trip, you got room in the back to put your stuff in and still have four people. By the way, I've always thought it cracks me up when I see three, three row SUVs. You're never using the third row unless you've got an extended Yukon because you can't put anything in the back. You take two suitcases, you go on a hockey trip with your kids or a sport trip or anything like that, you're never going to use that third row. Just something to think about. But that CX-30, man, dude, you got to, this is truly one of those cars you have to drive. And big guys, it's comfortable. You're not throwing your elbow over into the passenger seat. It doesn't feel confined at all and cramped. It has plenty of adjustment. Hell, I had the seat so far back, I had to pull it forward. I don't remember the last time I had to pull the seat forward in a car. Seriously. So Mazda, yeah, fantastic stuff. We'll be doing more of these too. Also doing some video as well. But uh, thanks again to Lee Diffie. That was cool, man. And he's such a good guy. Watch him this Sunday, though. NBCSN, Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. I'm trying to figure out what kind of boat I want. If I could have, if you could have any boat, what would it be? I know we talk about cars on this, but I just want a party boat. Just a pontoon boat where I can put my beverage and drive around the lake and jump off and swim when it gets hot. That's it. Or a yacht. Somewhere in between there. Yeah, really narrow it down. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe here. Obviously, B-Pod Networks. It's Big Jim's Garage. You can follow along. Uh, I'm out of Detroit, so that's why we kind of keep in the loop and all this. There's so much going on. Hopefully, I'm going to dive into more about the Hummer, the all-electric Hummer. What did you guys think of that? I kind of like it. I don't like the $110,000 price tag, but pretty cool looking. You follow me on Twitter, at WCSXJim on uh, Twitter. Make sure you subscribe. You guys, be safe. God bless you. Later.